As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The only thing else I got to say is, how about them Cowboys? Yeah! How about them Cowboys, indeed. It's never a dull week in Cowboys Nation. Got the owners' meetings down in Florida. A lot of news coming out of that. And a lot of news with, with Jerry. He's back home. Talk about that as well. So welcome in. It's another week of About Them Cowboys. We're looking towards the draft here. We're about a month away. We've got some fun stuff lined up. So hope you hit subscribe and hope you stay with us throughout this draft season. I'm Kent Producing, and I'm welcomed by two of the best of the best when it comes to breaking down all things Dallas Cowboys. Of course, back is your Cowboys beat writer, Father John Mishota, and in the hosting chair, it's Kevin KT Turner of the Ben and Skin Show at Sports and Such. Welcome back, KT. How we doing? I'm doing excellent. Uh, you know, thanks for having me. Um, this is a this is that odd time where we're like, hey, we got like a month until the drafts here. Owners' meetings, we got to figure out overtime. If we don't get this overtime thing figured out, how are we going to move forward with this league? Mm. <laughs> um, but meanwhile, uh, the, what's crazy to me, and I don't even want to talk too much about it because there's been so much going on with it. It is a little crazy that, like, as we record this today, like, Jerry Jones does have a court date. Now, he probably doesn't have to go to this one, right? Before the case, like, that's happening today. And it's just such well, we got John story. live outside the courthouse right now, <laughs> reporting, waiting for Jerry to walk out. John, can you? Are you there? What's the verdict? <laughs> what is wrong with you guys? Um, yeah, I will say one thing about this real quick is that I feel like for most teams, this wouldn't be as big of a deal because your owner isn't as hands-on and involved. In as involved in the football operations, but when this is also your general manager, mm-hmm. and of course, like you, like you said, Kent, I mean, the lawyers are going to be the ones handling this, but this is such a big time of year for the football team as well. Obviously, this is where they're building their roster for the upcoming season. I can, while I understand the differences between football and then personal matters, like because it's just hard to think that there isn't any of his time being spent on this away from football that I can understand where fans would kind of be like, well, this isn't great. Isn't this our general manager dealing with this? Yeah, it's, it's odd. And then, and then to top it all off, it is okay. So you can, like the story comes out or whatever that Mike McCarthy's not at the coaches meetings, 
But it really does hit home with you when they do that goofy coach's picture that comes out every single year. And it really is a thing of like, you know what? He should probably be there. And their reasoning, uh, he's going to go to Alabama's pro day. Guess what, guys? Alabama's not that far from Florida. Um, so, look, I get I could come in here and just kind of like be like real rosy about the Cowboys. I, I heard our, our buddy Bob Sturm here at The Athletic. We all love his work. And he jumped on our buddy Jeff Cavanaugh's little YouTube show, the Jeff Cavanaugh show. And they had a real like long rational discussion about what's the point in getting worked up over any of this. It's the Cowboys. And I guess I understand what they're saying. It's a very measured way to look at things. But it does kind of disregard. I don't know. Disregard's probably the bad word. But it does kind of just be like, well, then why are we even watching sports in general? Like, I think I should get like, I think I should. I think I have a right. Even I'm not even a Cowboys fan. I do think I have the right to like call out some things or talk about some things that are very frustrating. Like. Mike McCarthy being at the coaches meeting, not that big of a deal, but their excuses or their reasonings for everything never make any sense. And that's where I was like, how dumb do you think we all are? And that's, well, that's, that's where it gets insulting. No, that's when a good it's point. Like, that's a good point. There's a lot of different things, whether it's, you know, describing the losing Randy Gregory, but that also opened it up so we can bring back Leighton Vander Esch and yeah. sign Dante Fowler and re-sign Dorrance Armstrong. Like, like, do you think that we think that's the same thing. Like, so to your point, whether you're talking about legal, whether you're t- stuff off the field, whether you're talking about uh, the roster building, whether you're talking about Mike McCarthy not being there, like, wait, he's working on draft prep. Like, none of these other coaches that are here aren't doing that. Like, I, I understand. Your, yeah, what are you doing this? This is just for optics. Yeah, I, I know. I, I get what you're saying, and and if it was a one-off thing where you're just kind of like, yeah, this is what it is. That's fine. I, I I think you could move past it, but I agree with you that there is kind of like a pattern of this that you just are like, well, it's the Cowboys, just how they do business, you know. And just there, and it comes from all angles when you hear some of these things where you're just like, do you expect like everybody to believe this? This doesn't make sense to me. And we can yeah. get into other things, but yeah, I, I get where you're going with that. Well, yeah, and I I'm not uh, I want to be clear too. I'm not like taking shots at those guys either because I enjoyed their uh, hour. That's on Jeff Cavanaugh's YouTube channel that you can go find on your own. But you know, and Bob's at the athletic, and I I enjoyed their conversation. Um, but I also was like, I understand that it might feel like wasted energy, and it is. Jerry's going to say what he wants to say. They're all going to say what we want to say. It doesn't matter what we think. But I still feel like uh. I still like I get a little juice off going, what the hell are they doing? Um, sometimes. Not all the time. Sometimes they well, do good things. When yeah, Jerry but, said, but, but also it's just kind of like the it's kind of like the, you know, Will Smith slapping Chris Rock. There's a part of it where you're when you're so famous and there and, and you have this attention on you that even people that might not care about what you do are gonna be drawn to it, whether it's gossip off the field or whatnot, just because of your brand and who you are. And Jerry kind of mentioned that at the owners' meetings that yeah. hey, this is this comes with it, you know, we want the eyeballs on us and stuff like that. But it's like you can't sit here and go, Oh, this is personal. So no one's gonna talk about this. Like, no, everyone's gonna still talk about this. That's what happens when you're in the public eye and it and it's gossipy things like that's just the way that's just how life works. It's it's never gonna change. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of the off the field stuff, I think just the way society is, the way the NFL has been, you look at has what what has happened with some people falling out of favor with the league over the past few years. It does not take a lot for 
something to come out there and for you know somebody to be forced out or wh- what have you. And so I think it's relevant for that standpoint. Anytime you're talking about Jerry Jones and being involved in court cases or um, settlements behind the scenes, things like that, that's never good when you've got your leader of your franchise, the face of your franchise, the general manager of your franchise, the person that's calling it every shot that there is to call is involved in this stuff. So I think it's worth talking about from that standpoint. And when it comes to the frustrating side of things on the football side and why we ask so many questions and why we maybe overblow things is this isn't the Carolina Panthers. (laughs) You know, this isn't the Indianapolis Colts. This is the Dallas Cowboys. The expectation is higher. You hold yourself in this high regard. You call yourself the biggest, the best, the baddest. Well, let's see it. And I think that's where the frustration kind of lies is we can't keep having this clout of walking around with all this swagger with literally nothing to back it up. And really, ever since the salary cap has been enforced, they haven't been able to make it work. (laughs) And so that's really bad. Until they're not Will Smith, then the jokes and the heat that comes with that is going to continue to come. And the minute that I don't care about that anymore, I'll stop doing this podcast and other Cowboys related things. Like the minute I don't care about any of that stuff, like I still care and I want him to fix it. And I want to question what he brings it on himself. They bring it on themselves and they build the biggest stadiums and they build the biggest facilities and they want every primetime game and all this kind of stuff. And then they don't succeed at the end of the day. They bring the criticism on themselves. So I, I don't. And also this is involving Jerry Jones. If it's involving Jerry Jones Jr. or another member of the family, I don't think it's we would even be talking about it. Maybe at all. If not, it would be very little. But it's also Jerry Jones, two radio shows a week during the season, talking after every game, like always wants to be out there, always wants to have, you know, be sharing his opinion. So when you do that in the good times or, you know, not that there's been a ton of good times, but interesting times, then when there's bad times, people are going to look to you as well to be like, well, wait, hold on, hold on. You talk all the time and now you're not talking right now. Like what's going on here? Like, like, isn't that less of a thing? Like, again, I whether McCarthy's at the coaching meeting or not, I could give a crap. No one cares. But, like, tell us why. You know, that is a little and odd. I feel like I'm like, is I, is it because he did? Like, what do you think the real reason is? Because I think, he oh no, no, I think it's because he, he didn't want to answer Jerry stuff. No, 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 no. I just don't think he cares about going to stuff like that. I really don't. He's not. A, I mean, from day one, he was telling us how he wouldn't. Probably, you know, after he gets hired, how he probably wouldn't go to the senior bowl and they wouldn't have their their coaches there. Yeah. Like, and that's that right off the beginning. I was like, well, this is a lot different than the last coaching staff. But yeah, I was very open about like, well, we don't think it's really worth that time. We we can just look at the clips and 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 get as much stuff back in the office and things like that. So um, that I think is a McCarthy thing of why he he just doesn't think it's worth it. He doesn't want to go there. You do see teams in the league move away from that. You know, the the Rams, I don't think, were even at the combine, you know, so like they're, that is starting to become a thing. I could see that, but the owner's meeting is about camaraderie with the league and, and relationships and all of that. I mean, I've seen Mike there before (laughs) in years past when he was with Green Bay, it was always a big presence there. I don't understand why that would be somewhere he wouldn't want to be to, talk to other coaches and just get a sense of where things are going. And well, one, he's on the hot weird. seat one, he's on the hot seat. So I'm, I'm sure he likes the optics of he's, he's in the lab grinding. Okay. Do, <laughs> the, do the three of us, hold on. Do the three of us on this show be, believe that that is really what's happening. And that's, 
exactly why he couldn't be there? Of course not. But there are people that are going to, but there are going to be people that are going to sit there and go, you know, he has a lot of say in the draft, a lot more than, you know, a lot of other coaches. So it's good that he's out there grinding tape. Like, oh, okay. If you say so, like, I, I, I just and think that be, from the but... optics standpoint that they thought that this would look like, yeah, he's just, you know, this draft is going to be huge for us. We're not doing much in free agency. So this draft is so key that we don't even want Mike wasting one second being here in Florida right now for these meetings. He has better things walk to do, me. more important things to do. So so let's say, I'll just walk with you for a second. So, uh, Kyle Shanahan gets fired. Uh, you know, let's say that happens. Oh, man. Tell you what, though, I, I did hit it off with that Shanahan guy at that last year's coaches meeting. Maybe we'll give him a ring, see if he wants to come in and be offensive coordinator. That's an example. I know it's a, but like, those are the types of things that you would want to continue to build, I would think. When 31 of the coaches are there and you're not there, it's weird. I'm sorry. It just is. Whether whatever you're doing there could be pointless, but when thirty one of them are there and you're and not, you're open to the them talking crap about you and you're not there. It's like, why <laughs> no, the hell is man. where the hell's Mike? <laughs> you know, it's like you can't even defend yourself if you're not there. <laughs> God. Well, real real quick, just just to make sure that everyone ha- has this correct, it wasn't thirty one weren't there. Uh, Dan Campbell, I believe, from the Lions was sick, so he didn't make it. Okay. Uh, Bill Belichick there was there briefly. He obviously wasn't in the picture as well. And then I believe Bruce Arians uh, wasn't there. And as we've come to find out that, yeah. uh, Yeah, he doesn't matter anymore. He is stepping down. But I just just want to make it clear that everyone knows that there was not all 31 other ones. And it is very common for Bill Belichick not to to go. Like, well, I don't know if he doesn't go completely, but he's he's almost never in that that group picture. Well, about 95% of the coaches were there there in the picture. Okay. Um, But whatever. It's just a picture. Right, I've whatever happens at the Mings, I don't care. Point is, move on here. The the two things from Jerry that he said this week that irritated me the most <laughs> were number number one, saying that Randy Gregory getting away allows you to get three top players. Okay, wow, you're getting three top players with fourteen million dollars. Where are That's they? Incredible. <laughs> Wait, where, where are the top well, players? Let me go look for them. Where are they? Oh, I got them. Where are, they, where are you hiding them, Jer? Are they on the yacht? Um, and then the other one just saying that he really loves everything that's happened with their workplace. And <laughs> I was like, yeah, oh, man, I you thought, don't have I to thought, say that. I thought Stephen handled that better at the Combine by saying that he thinks they have a solid workplace. I think that was a better way, way to put it than to sit there and sound like you have this outstanding elite workplace when – uh, it certainly doesn't appear to be the case there. And when you say things like that, I feel like it, it only riles oh, up. Solid, solid. Yeah, it only riles up people to uh, come forward and be like, oh, oh, it's great here? Well, I'll tell you, this is what goes on here, you know. Steve, Stephen gave you the workplace in a cardboard box. Jerry wrapped it up in, in wrapping paper and put a bow on it. And I was like, oh, the thing about interviews that people I don't think understand is you don't have to answer anything, ever. You've never had to do it. Anytime someone asks you something, you don't have to do it. Ever. You don't have to. You can just like not, not answer it. Hey, real quick. Like, like, like the stuff with his family he was asking, he said, that's personal. Move no, on. It, All right, no one's going to push you on that. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because that is very non-Jerry to not give an opinion on something. And for him just to say it's personal, that's that speaks volumes. Kind of going back to Kent doing his impression of Rod Marinelli. When he said, when Rod Marinelli would say solid, it was because it wasn't good, you know, because <laughs> yeah. a coach isn't going to sit there and say like, yeah, well, I guess some will, but he would never say like, yeah, this guy was just awful. Like I, I can't even coach him. He'd be like, oh yeah, he was yeah. solid, Sol- you know? Solid. 
So you got to read between the lines with certain people. And, and I'm glad you brought that up because that is interesting that Jerry would only say like, nope, that's personal or whatever. And it's like, that's just not really how he normally does business. Well, and I mean, look, it's all obviously uh, the Rich Dalrymple allegations are obviously like something that uh, Jerry, when asked about it, I just thought it was odd that he like went all in and doubled down. I, he's a... I mean, I can't wait to cross paads with him again. Do you think that's no, over? All that stuff. Well, let me just say this. When we were just talking about optics, we were just talking about optics earlier with Mike not being there. If you really think that you have a great workplace, none of this stuff shines any type of negative life light on your organization. I just got. Let me look at the log here. Did this Rich Dalrymple stuff? Did that was that yesterday? Was that last week? Nice if that all that stuff is completely just, this is best for our organization to just get this out of the way. We'll have people sign NDAs and we're just going to move forward. But that's not because we have issues in this work. We have the best workplace. No, you would say that the day that story comes out, you would go wherever you could to be saying like, hey, this this place, that doesn't, that looks bad, but that's not what goes on here. We have an excellent, this is, this place is the greatest. Like you don't wait, you don't, you don't skip talking at the combine. You don't wait. I mean, I mean, I don't have the dates in front of me when that story came out, but we're well over a month plus since that came out, you would have gone somewhere and said something about that. You know, you wouldn't just do one Meredith land interview and answer one question about it and then not talk at the combine at all. And then all of a sudden it's just like, no, but we have a great workplace. No, if you think that you really believe you had a great workplace, you would have said that over a month ago. I personally, maybe I'm a little too cynical. I believe every workplace has, or almost every workplace, um, uh, and, and those big uh, billion-dollar companies, you know, have uh, issues. 100%. Little things. But, you know, you don't have – I mean, I'll give you an example. I mean, whether people bought it or not, the, the day Mark Cuban and the Mavs thing came out three or four years ago, I mean, he was on the jump that afternoon with Rachel Nichols. Or the day after with Rachel Nichols and crying and saying that he got caught or, or he got this one slipped by him, basically, mm-hmm. like not got caught. That's not what I meant to say. Uh, like it slipped by him. Like I was worried about things on the basketball side too much and this slipped by me. And like, I yeah, when you don't like talk until the that. owners meetings from the Cowboys yeah. standpoint, it looks like it was. Yeah, because we've been trying to like really get together what our plan's going to be, and we're going to yeah. spend some time on this over the, over the next month, and we're not going to really address this issue until we absolutely have to. But let's make sure that we have this plan in order, as opposed, like you said, you go out there that day and address it, then it really looks like you have nothing to hide. When you wait over yeah. a month, it just eh, still hasn't really right addressed it, you know. So I don't know. We'll yeah. we'll we'll have to see if the court filing. Jerry filed a motion, I think, to keep all that stuff private record uh, today mm-hmm. with the paternity test and, and all that kind of stuff. So we'll see if that becomes public record. And if so, there will be a whole slew of information that comes out about what's going on there. And then, like I said, I don't know if this rich thing is over. I mean, could the cheerleaders come back and do something else? I mean, I don't know. this With the amount of people that have left the organization over the past, I don't know year and a half it's concerning that more stuff could come out in the next six to eight months i think that would probably be more likely just because of from the nda standpoint i think that that probably prevents you from maybe speaking anymore i don't really 
have a law background here, but I'm just saying, mm-hmm. like, I could see where that with them, they, and then probably a lot of those cheerleaders just want this to be behind them anyway. But this, the th- you hit on it that I think what it could lead to is other people coming forward. It could be other cheerleaders, could be other people within the organization uh, that are like, you know what, this isn't being handled the way it needs to be. I don't think that everyone's getting the message on how bad this is. And that's where you could potentially get other people to come forward. I'm not saying that's the case, but I think that would be more likely than people that have sa- signed NDAs coming forward and saying, you know, adding more to the story, I guess. Yeah. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Is there anything else from Jerry that you want to get into or do you want to uh, let's dive into Steven? You can go with Steven. That's fine. Yeah, let's, yeah, see, let's got, see what Steven got to say. Steven audio. We got some audio here. We do. Let me uh, pull this up here. Thanks to the uh, DallasCowboys.com, of course, for yeah, uh, shout out. getting that in. Uh, shout out to the mothership. First question here is about, uh, about team building and just their – uh, mentality right. on that and what they got going on here and it is yeah we're always evaluating you know how we do and where we can be better and uh you know right now uh we feel good about the model and uh you know obviously you can see from our actions we feel really good about our football team and uh you know the question becomes well if you feel really good about it then why didn't you go further and i think that's the you know what we got to work through here but you know, it's Dan's first year with the defense. I think that defense is only going to get better uh, as, you know, as they play in Dan's uh, defense. So feel good about the defensive side of the ball. And obviously, you know, offensively, uh, you know, we just got to continue to be more efficient. We had a, you know, a top-ranked offense. But, uh, you know, we just got to be more efficient, uh, you know, in the big games and the postseason. Okay. I, I, one thing that sticks out to me 
I think it's a little naive to just assume that the defense is going to be better next year because it's another year with these guys in Den system because they were they exceeded expectations last year. They were above average. I think the realistic expectation is that the defense takes a, a minor step back this year from where they were last year, and then maybe you rebuild the troops in the offseason next year, and then you got something. But well, one, I don't one expect point, the defense to be as good. One part of that is certainly the, the takeaways. History will tell you it's, right. it's rare to just you put up that t- those type of takeaway numbers year after year after year. There's a, I mean, there's a lot that you can do to force them, but there's also there's a there's a luck factor in there as well. The, the odds yeah. are not in their favor that they're going to repeat as the NFL's top team at taking the ball away. And, and that could be as simple as Trayvon Diggs is not going to go have ten interceptions again or eleven. Oh, he had eleven last year. Like that could be as simple as that. Um, but I th- I think also. You know, a lot of that ends up to how are you protecting the ball because how that game flow matters to me. And, you know, when you're getting turnovers, obviously that makes a big difference. But if you're not giving the ball away either, it always kind of ends up in your favor as well. And that kind of you can help yourself out on that uh, likely regression there. Uh, One thing I'll say about the defense, though, to Kent's point is if you had told me before the offseason that you would have two of these three guys – Randy Gregory, Demarcus Lawrence, and Dan Quinn, I would have been like, I think you'll just have one of those guys. I didn't think Dan Quinn would be here. We didn't. None of us did when the season ended. So I think I already look at that as a big plus benefit and then kind of a stepping stone as we kind of build towards next year. So, you know, I could see them having a similar year to they had than they had last year. My concerns are all on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, but uh, I mean, I still, I still have some concerns on the defense as well because, you know, I, he mentions their plan and, and that and – and, and you can argue that it is a good plan to not overspend in free agency. But you can also make the argument that maybe you need to adjust the plan after you see what the Rams did and what some other NFL teams are doing in terms of, I'm not asking you to go out there and sign three or four big name you know, players that are just going to really put you in the hole like five yeah. years from now. I'm not saying that, but to add, to make a splash, to add someone, particularly on the defensive line, if you lose out on Gregory, I just look at it from the perspective of like, unless they make some trade. Now I'm always, I'm leaving that out there because we mentioned that earlier in, in a previous podcast about, you know, they did make that trade uh, a couple years back for Robert Quinn. You know, if they do something like that, fine. But to just go into the draft and thinking you're going to address that, like I just think of recent drafts. I mean, I don't know. You go back to 2016, 2015, all the way up till now, like where, where are they getting these instant impact defensive linemen? That's my issue. You know, the fifth round, Ryan Russell's the, Fourth round Charles Tappers, heck, the first round Taco Charlton's, the uh, fourth round Dorrance Armstrong. Like, yeah, Dorrance Armstrong's a solid player, but it also took him several years to even get to that level. Like, you're not really probably because what I'm why I'm bringing this up is because at 24, you're not getting an elite step in day one pass rusher. Sorry, it's not happening. So yeah. not at this draft class. So you address that where second round, maybe you even do it at 24 the chances are you're not getting a player that's even close to what Randy Gregory is now. So to lose Randy Gregory and replace it by a one-year deal with Dante Fowler and a two-year deal with Dorrance Armstrong, like, I'm sorry, I just, I don't look at that as, that just seems like very, it's it's very responsible cap-wise, but I also look at it as your time is now, your window is now, why aren't you trying to maximize it right now? Great transition to his next uh, Quote here about Randy Gregory and that exact scenario. To a point, we wanted to keep Gregory. Okay. And then we made a decision. Uh, you know, we had a, 
plan B, and we started weighing as it came right down to it. And uh, as Jerry told you yesterday, we finally just had to uh, say no, and you know we knew if we didn't do that, then we had some options. And turns out we got three really good football players uh, for one. But I wish Randy nothing but the best. He's done an amazing job uh, with his journey, and uh, if anyone deserves to uh, have a big contract, uh, I'm happy for him. But you know, at the same time. You know, we're excited about a young Dorrance Armstrong and uh, what Fowler. Dan's got great experience with Fowler uh, and loved him in Atlanta and paid him. And uh, in Atlanta there, didn't get to, you know, stay long enough to really work with him. But he was fired up about having him and think he can do some dynamic things as well. And then, of course, you throw Leighton in there for, the, you know, in that same cap space. Uh, you know, we just think, you know, we feel comfortable with where we ended up there. Real quick on the Dante Fowler thing. I think Dante Fowler could have a big year. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I think that that's a good get. I think it's it's a it's a nice bargain. You didn't make a big investment. Also, flip side of that, didn't make a big investment. Randy Gregory, you were trying to give him five years. Okay, when you, just I'm I'm just trying to get people to look read between the lines here. If you really think Dante Fowler is that, you're giving him more than a one year deal. You know what I'm saying? Like you're trying to lock this guy sure. up for multiple seasons because you're like, Dan's got experience with him. They go back to their his days at the University of Florida. He obviously signed him a big contract with the Falcons. Like, all right, well, if you're that confident that he is still that player, the top five draft pick player in that 2015 class, I think he went third overall, then you're giving him more than that one one year low budget deal. I'm, I'm that just that's just what it is. You look at the deals that you gave to Leighton Van Der Esch, Dorrance Armstrong, Dante Fowler, they're not even close to being the type of investment you can walk away from all those in a second compared to that deal you were going to give Randy Gregory. It's not the same thing. I have no idea how they felt about this guy, but a guy that I wanted them to be in on. Uh, and I think I might have mentioned that in last week's or two weeks ago's episode was a guy who just signed a deal with Jacksonville. It's Arden Key because he had six and a half sacks last year for San Francisco. He was a top 10 type you know, dr- draft prospect in 2018 before the season and then, you know, really fell down. And there were a lot of things that happened, some poor testing. There were some questions and all that stuff. And he ends up, you know, falling out. But he... You know, after starting out with uh, the Raiders for a few years, caught on with San Francisco, didn't even play a ton, but had six and a half sacks in a short amount of time. And that's the type of guy like a Dante Fowler, who was a high draft pick. Uh, Arden Key was not a high draft pick, but he had the credentials to be that. Mm-hmm. You know, and Dante Fowler obviously was. It's like, okay, one of these guys you can really, you know, take a one-year shot on. Well, why not double up at that position? Because how are you looking yep. when – or if DeMarcus Lawrence gets hurt. That's my big question. It's the same thing I have on offense. How are you feeling about the offensive line when Tyron gets hurt? Um, uh, it's not as extreme with DeMarcus Lawrence, but it's on that same level. And I thought I think, I think it was $7 million for Arden Key, or he can earn up to $7 million, maybe like $5 million, and then he can earn up to seven. I think I would have done that. I think I would have absolutely done that. I mean, he got six and a half sacks with the 49ers, and he didn't even play 40% of their snaps. Now – uh, he played in every game, but you know they have so many people on their off uh, defensive line. They could bring him in waves. Like, he had a pretty good year, and that's where I kind of go, man. Where were you on that one? Let's get in there. Let's go uh, make a little noise. So I'm kind of kind of with you on that. Do you think um, defensive end is maybe at the position the Cowboys are in now is a position that's worth overpaying for? No, maybe not a, maybe for a, overspend just because trying to find one in the draft and develop them and to get them at a place where you can have five to 10 sacks a year is so difficult these days, unless you're picking in the top 10. Like, 
Is it, was yeah. it worth for them? Like, uh, we might have to overpay for this guy, but versus trying to find a guy in free agency or draft a guy and have him ready in three years to be at this level. I think it might be worth overspending a little bit. Like it seemed like there was a, a hard limit at where they were willing to go and they weren't going to budge at all for that or overspend in their eye. Yeah, I, yeah. I would agree with that. And, and me personally, I would overpay for, for an edge rusher. It's probably yeah. the only spot on defense that I would uh, just because yeah. of the impact that they can have. And, and the other part of it is I understand that Micah Parsons is an outstanding pass rusher. And, and of course you want that, but I, I just really think the best case and the best way to use Micah Parsons is exactly how you did last season. And so if you don't have elite edge rushing, that yeah. forces your hand to where you're going to have to put him down there all the time. And and he'll produce, don't get me wrong. But then what, what goes on at linebacker? Now you're losing this chess piece yeah. and, and you're kind of keeping him in one spot. So that's why I kind of feel like you really need something. And, and like KT said, you got to factor in the Demarcus Lawrence injury situation, uh, where he is in his career, the odds of you getting him for 17 games and the drop off below him is pretty significant. I mean, he goes down, you know, who are you putting at left end? Basham, Chauncey Golston, yeah. you know, you moving Dorrance Armstrong over there. You know, if, if Dante Fowler has a big year, you know, there are no worries then, you know, you answered it. And, I, and I'm not a guy sitting here saying that, you know, Randy Gregory was going to get 10 sacks. I mean, he, he had the opportunity. He should have got 10 sacks this past year with, with how loaded that team was and you know, how, how he played during the season. But I just think when you lose out on Randy Gregory to, to do the whole, I'm going to say we, we lost one, but we got three, three pieces instead. I, I just, I don't buy into that. All right. A little bit of draft talk from uh, Stephen. Oh, there's no position that we need to shore up here. I mean, as we go, we'll, we'll see, uh, you know, where we are. I mean, you, you bring up a great one. I mean, we lost uh, uh, two really good receivers. Uh, and Amari and, and said so obviously uh, you know we signed James Washington which is good uh, we really thought a lot of him coming out of Oklahoma State and uh, you know, he played there in Pittsburgh and made some big plays for them but uh, certainly uh, you know we're looking to you know find some people who can make plays and you know that receiver uh, situation certainly jumps out I mean we've got Dalton and uh, you know unfortunately Blake uh, has had a tough deal medically in terms of uh, his journey uh, in the league. So, you know, you want to, in this league, you'd like to have, you know, this day and time with the matchups. You'd love to have more than just one tight end. And, and we mentioned the offensive line's important. I thought I thought we have done a really good job on the defensive side of the ball of not having a lot of uh, major issues there. I'll give Stephen props for saying that stuff because there are a lot of coaches and people in front offices that wouldn't even give you the stuff they did. I mean, he just laid it out there. I mean, he, uh, other than edge rusher, which we already covered, I mean, he covered what is the, their biggest needs in offense. And I know everyone can say, well, well, anybody can just look at the roster and know that that's fine. Go to, go to some of these owners meetings, go to the combine, listen to the way that these coaches in front office people talk, like they won't even give you stuff like that. So I, I give him props for at least, you know, admitting to stuff like that, you know, the tight end, obviously no question about that. I mean, it just seems to be this like belief that Dalton Schultz is just going to sign this long-term deal. Cool. Until that happens, you have to prepare that he's only going to be here for one more year. So where are you at tight end after that? So that was interesting. They pointed that out. Wide receiver is an obvious one. Um, but the, but the glaring most obvious one is that left guard situation. They're not going into next season as Connor McGovern is their starting left guard. They need that, that, that to me is just, He's not going to sit there and say that's what we're targeting at 24, but that's what they're targeting at 24. And, and I think there was a quote from Jerry, you know, two days prior to that saying, what was it? 
Lamb or Parsons, right? Unless it'll be an offensive lineman, unless it's a Lamb or a Parsons. Who right? are the it's Lambs kind of and Parsons that could be there at twenty four, though? Yeah, that, that's where I kind of get into a uh, a situation. I mean, look, you never thought that your wide receiver one would be there in Ceedee Lamb. Um, by most consensus, it's Garrett Wilson as wide receiver one. I wonder if the Arkansas kid Traylon Burks mm-hmm. is something that they would like. Yeah, I I don't know. Uh, do you get the feeling, John, given what they have, the style of receiver? Do you think they would lean towards a bigger guy like him, a Drake or a Drake London from USC, or would they be more in the boat of you know maybe a Lave from Ohio State or maybe this Jamison Williams guy from Atlanta? You know, uh, not not small guys by any means. You know, um, I mean Olave six one, Jameson Williams is six two, but Traylon Burks is 6'3", 230. Yeah. I mean, he's built like Dez. Drake London is 6'5", 212. Uh, do you think it's more of guys like that? Or do you think, think it's more guys like Williams and Olave who are more speed guys? I think it'd be the bigger guys. I think it'd be trying to replicate what Amari and Dez were. Yeah, I think they believe that Michael Gallup can do some of that. So I don't I don't think that they're in a position where they absolutely feel like they have to do one or the other. I think they'll, they'll do like the CD lamb situation where it's like, they're going to have their receivers ranked on a board and there could be one that is very high in their board that they think is the best wide receiver in this draft class. And he's still available for them. And, or maybe he's their second best wide receiver. And they'll say, they'll tell us after they draft him that he was their number one, you know how that goes. But I think that it could be any of those guys. Cause I can see a case for any of them fitting. I will say that Mike McCarthy more so then the previous coaching staff is really big on on all three receivers being able to play all three positions. He really wants to be able to rotate them in. He wants to see Michael Gallup get more work in the slot. Obviously, C.D. Lamb is the best. It is his best is in the slot, but he also can produce on the outside. And so, I think it could be any of those guys. I think they would lean towards somebody that can play multiple positions for them, and that would be one position. When when Steven says, or I'm sorry, when Jerry said the thing about. Well, it, offensive line, if CeeDee Lamb or Micah Parsons is, isn't there, I think when he says that, the first thing I think of is wide receiver because wide receivers get a lot of hype, just like quarterbacks in these drafts. And then the draft happens and you're in the 20s and somehow Justin Jefferson's still sitting there. So yeah. CeeDee Lamb's, you know, falling to the Cowboys. So while it looks great on paper because it's easy for people to gravitate towards them when you're doing your mock drafts, these guys fall all the time. And remember, it is a position where you can still get quality in the second, third, fourth round. So Teams aren't necessarily always going to reach on wide receivers like the mock drafts do. So that's the one spot. The other one I was thinking of was would be defensive end because I don't think they're, they would reach for another linebacker. So I don't mean reach. I mean the fact that they have Micah. They want to keep him at linebacker. I know fans will talk about Lloyd or Devin Lloyd or, or N'Kobe Dean. Yeah. I don't know that that's necessarily the guy. The one I thought of when Jerry said that would be one of those edge rushers to somehow slip, which I don't see happening. Uh, but like a Jermaine Johnson out of Florida State or that George Karoloftis out of Purdue, if one of those guys was to fall to 24, you're all of a sudden thinking like, man, I thought this guy would be gone I, at like 16. This is crazy. Like, we got to make this move right now. Or if one of those guys starts slipping, maybe you trade up a little bit. They did trade up to get to Marcus Lawrence. That's the last good investment they've had on the defensive uh, line via the draft. So maybe something like that. Those are what I thought of when he said that. Okay, the, those are not the names that I thought of when he said that because I thought of two more. I think I think one I think was very clear that won't be there, and that's Trayvon Walker. I mean, it's probably going to be top ten pick. In oh Georgia. yeah, 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 of course. But, but the guy that I could see falling out just because there's been enough questions about his injuries is Kay- Kayvon Thibodeau. 
Now, again, 24 is an extreme Dude, there is fall. no way. There is absolutely I, no chance that I would be stunned if he's still there at 10. Oh, I would too. But I'm, I was would have felt the same same way about CeeDee Lamb. So, you know. No, 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 no. The reason I disagree with that is because of the value of the position. Uh, there's a better chance with the Nicobe Deans or Devin Lloyd because of the way the league looks at linebacker. There's a better chance with those wide receivers yeah. because, like I said, you can get wide receivers. Edge rushers will not fall like that. Elite offensive tackles will not fall like that. Elite quarterbacks will not fall like that. So I, I, I cannot – Thibodeau, somebody else would move up to get him. They're just There's too much value in edge rushers like that for them to fall that far. I, I just that, that will not happen. There's a better chance of someone like – a Derek Stingley at corner or oh, yeah. Kyle Hamilton at safety because of the way that those positions are looked at yeah. edge rusher. I'm telling you Walker Thibodeau, no chance that they would even make it back. I, I, I think the Cowboys would have to move up if they even saw one of those guys at, at 16 or, or 14, if, if they really want edge rusher and feel they need to feel fill edge rusher as bad as I think they do. Well, the, the linebacker stuff can needs to all stop because they've covered all that. Like any linebacker stuff can go away. And I know the fans want Bobby Wagner, like that to, to me, signing Bobby Wagner anywhere close to the money he wants doesn't make any sense. Like you, you drafted Jabril Cox. You hope he can be that. Uh, you hope he can be close to that. And you have uh, Van Der Esch brought back on a one-year deal. And I realize it's a big production drop compared to Bobby Wagner, but that's just not the money. That's not where you spend the money. It's somewhere else. Um, yeah, you I, get some Anthony Hitchens, Damian Wilson type linebackers in the fourth Car- round, and that would be fine when you already have Micah Parsons. I think they're safe at twenty four for one of Carl Laftis or Jermaine Johnson. I think that I think they'll get one of those guys. You really think so? I absolutely do. I absolutely. Can we do, do a bet on this? Yeah, because we're talking what we're talking Hutchinson for sure. We're talking Thibodeau will probably be the second end. Then you're probably talking Walker. Uh, Tra- Trayvon. Well, I think actually I think Trayvon Walker will go in front of Thibodeau. Um, right. And then so your next two. And here's the other reason why I think those guys won't be there either is because of that David Ajabu. Uh, yeah, the Ajabu thing. That takes another that takes another. There looked like there was going to be six solid guys that were going to be up there that I still thought all, all six would go before the Cowboys pick. But now you take him off the board. He'll probably be like a Jalen Smith where he'll be like an early second round pick. He'll fall because of the Achilles injury. Uh, I don't think he would fall all the way to the Cowboys in the second round. Uh, but I think but you take him out of the mix. Just so many teams need edge rushers. So yeah. I, I just I don't see that happening. I really don't. Tell you scares me is the Logan Hall kid from Houston. Um, I think. Oh, hey, real quick, KT. You know the other factor? Man. There's another factor in, in why I don't think any of those edge rushers will be there. This quarterback class is trash. Yeah. 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 And so when you don't have any, you don't have the two, three, four quarterbacks going in the top 10, 15, 20 picks. Teams are going to be taking premium picks, and that so that premium position picks. So that means edge rusher, offensive tackle. They're just going to be pushed up the board because there's no quarterbacks to push them back. You think if I tackle there, offensive tackle there, not defensive tackle, an offensive tackle there. Let's say okay, so we know like Iquanu. I mean, hell, Iquanu could go, you know, up at the top, um, or Evan Neal. You know, I'm sure teams are pretty split on both of those guys. Charles Cross. I wonder what their line is of like, we have this like there where they're tiered off. I wonder where their line is of, of guys that they like love and guys they like an offensive tackle or, or offensive. And we said same for offensive guard. I mean, I, I kind of have Kenyon green uh, looped in there. I like Kenyon green more than I like Zion Johnson, the guy that uh, from Boston college, 
But I do like that both of those guys, especially Kenyon Green, have shown flexibility to play guard and tackle. I think this team needs something like that. I think the teams that have that, are, it's such a value that they have as the year goes on. Um, I know, John, uh, you did a, a seven-round mock, uh, and that's up. And we can, you know, we can talk about that. We, we'll have time to talk about that, or we can talk about it next week. Uh, there's a lot of things on there. But, you know, Kenyon Green's a guy who makes so much sense for this football team in terms of covering up what you need, adding instant value at left guard, but also covering up an injury problem. Um, and I, I kind of feel like he makes a lot of sense. An injury problem on Sundays, too. That's the thing. You're limited sure. with the number of offensive linemen you can have on that active roster. So I, I completely agree how, with you on the position. Plan. How many t- games do we have where Tyron Smith's like, well, it'll be a game-time decision this week? I mean, it's not just like – it's that weird lingering injury, not the torn ACL where you know a guy's out for, for the year. It's the lingering, I don't know if I can count on you this month. You know, like that's the word becomes kind of problematic. And I think Kenyon Green's a yeah. really good player. But yeah, there's all that. Boy, Last cut here from Steven, uh, unless you have any. You well, know, I should say, boy, you- that Arkansas wide receiver, though, I don't know. Flash that before Jerry's eyes at 24. See what happens. Start thinking about that. He saw him at, he saw him at AT&T Stadium at the A&M uh, Arkansas good, Classic. Good friends up, with you know, Steven. Show. He's good friends with well, yeah, Steven. Don't let him leave the stadium. He, don't let him leave. He's good I friends. mean, his – yeah, his his grandson, John Stephen Jones, ah. has played with – I mean, he's been in every practice with the guy. He's been around him a lot. He's I mean, talking him up at Thanksgiving John, dinner. John yeah. Stephen, John Steve John said that Traylon's a good player. Let's get a hot dog. <laughs> I don't know, man. Steven's I just feel like Earl's son how is much, the uh, quarterback. So, yeah, I, I don't feel like the I don't feel like the Jones family all of a sudden became interested in the Arkansas football program in the last five to ten years. I mean, they've been pretty diehard following that football program the entire time that they own the Cowboys. And like other than Felix Jones, like who have they really drafted at Arkansas, like with any premium pick? So, I mean, it's a possibility. I'm just saying, like, I think that with their ties with Arkansas, I feel like you'd think that if I told you in 1989 that Jerry Jones would still be the owner running the Cowboys alive and well in 2022, I think you'd think that they would have drafted more than just Felix Jones with a premium pick out of Arkansas. Should have been McFadden. Yeah. All right. The one last. He ended up getting McFadden though. Yeah. At later date. (laughs) He, uh, all right, here's Steven Jones talking about their mentality for extending players. Is there a little shift, a recognition of this is a better young defense than you've had in a while and you're going to have to pay a couple of these guys down the road? And I guess it's a little more balanced in your in your distribution of right. this team than what you've had lately. You know, I think that I always look at it, David, as an opportunity. Is, uh, you know, you get an opportunity to draft players uh, that happen to be the best player on your board. I mean, when we drafted Zach Martin, we had three great defensive players. We thought we were going to get one of those guys ahead of Zach Martin. Well, we ended up getting Zach Martin, and he turns out to be a great player. So rather than paying one of those defensive guys four years from that standpoint, it ended up being Zach Martin. Same thing with Travis Frederick, same thing with Tyron Smith. Uh, you know, as you draft guys like that, I mean, obviously we're looking at Diggs, we're looking at Micah, looking at players like that that you draft high. You, you hope that they're two uh, contract-plus guys. And so, you know, you, at the end of the day, it's, it's kind of what comes your way in terms of uh, where your resources go and then where you got to uh, kind of make things work. Yeah, that's a popular thing that they talk about 
I can tell this off season is the we're also going to be very responsible with the salary cap because we want to be able to resign Micah Parsons and we want to be able to resign Trayvon Diggs and resign CeeDee Lamb. All right, let me throw out there what happens when those guys become free agents. And I do think they'll have a great chance to resign all three, but when one of them leaves, I mean, at that time, are we gonna, are we going to look back and be like, remember that twenty twenty two off season? I thought that they weren't spending any money because they were trying to resign one of these guys. But I mean, all it takes is one of those guys to be like, no, I want to be the absolute highest paid at my position. And all of a sudden, it's like, uh, well, we can't do that. And now all of a sudden, there's Trayvon Diggs on the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean. I don't think it's going to happen, but I also can't rule it out. Well, it's interesting, though, that you're saving us money, but like, I, I can't reiterate this enough. The salary cap will continue to go up. Player salaries will continue to go up. We all understand that. So unless you guys are going to all of a sudden change the way you do things, Cowboys, and start getting deals done early, unless you're going to start doing that, then I don't necessarily need to hear all that because you know how they work. Deadlines make deals. We'll wait to the end here. Dude, you can get ahead of a lot of these things. We just well, saw what you did with Zeke and with Dak and all these guys. And then out of nowhere, we'll do the Jalen thing early. Well, guess what? Jalen wanted to do that deal early. <laughs> like, that was like, it was a whole different thing. Right. There's, there's teams, uh, I'm, and I apologize because I know I have like, I, I, I sometimes mention them, but I do, you know, follow them from afar. I'm very interested to see how Green Bay handles because they're in cap problems, right? They've got cap problems. How they handle Jair Alexander and Rashawn Gary because it's the same thing as Trevon Diggs and Micah Parsons. It's guys who think they will at some point be able to go make the top at that position. And Green Bay would love to get those guys done now. And those guys are like, well, we don't have to do a deal now. We can, we can wait and go get the top next year when the money goes up even more. Like they all know that. So let me also, because you benched the Packers, I want to bring this up. Um, you know, another type of move that is getting a lot of headlines is all these wide receiver moves and that. And I will say, from the Cowboys' standpoint, I absolutely don't hate the Amari Cooper move as long as they're able to replace wide receiver relatively early in the draft. Because I look at a Devontae Adams, and I look at a Tyreek Hill, and I'm not paying him that kind of money if I'm running a team. I'm just not. I just think you can find wide receivers. I'm not breaking the bank to pay wide receivers. I... I I mean, I saw all those years, man, Calvin Johnson. I mean, sorry, I, no offense to Devontae Adams or Tyreek Hill. They're not Calvin Johnson. What, what, did, what, did, that, what did that get? I'm just, I'm just Tyree telling you. Tyreek Hill's I, I'm not, different. I don't know about the other guy, but. Oh, is he? I, don't, I might pay Tyreek oh, oh, Hill. Oh, oh, we're going to find out. We're going to find out. Yeah. Because Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams just played with arguably the top two quarterbacks in the NFL. And now they're going to go play with other guys. Let's just, let's just see. Let's just see. Hey, the ball might keep rolling. There's a part of me that thinks those quarterbacks had something to do with that as well. Uh, call me crazy on that. I and would the reason expect uh, Tyreek Hill to the fall tape. off big time and Devontae Adams to, to do just fine. But right. I think Miami's well, where receivers oh, well, go on. to hold, die. But oh, hold on. Hold on. You expect Devontae Adams to do just fine? Devontae Adams, for that money, has to be game changer, yeah. major playoff success. Yeah, Raiders have to go just AFC Championship games, Super Bowls. I don't think that's going to happen for the Raiders. Call me crazy. Um, and then the other part of it, the reason I bring this up is because when that CeeDee Lamb contract comes up, like, yeah, I obviously think it's smart to keep CeeDee Lamb. I, I think it's, I think they, they should keep that nucleus together. 
if he gets a free agency and he's coming off like multiple Pro Bowl years and wants to be the highest paid wide receiver in the NFL, I'm fine with moving on from that. I'm sorry. just I, That's just the way yeah. I feel about wide receiver. You are right. You can find receivers way easier. I think I'll say it's a little different is the, the situation that these teams are in. Like the absolute go for right. Green Bay wanted to keep Adams. They offered him money. He just didn't want to be in Aaron Rodgers purgatory. Why sign a five-year deal, long-term deal here to play for Jordan Love if Aaron Rodgers bails after one year? I just built a house in Las Vegas. Derek Carr is a good friend of mine. I'll just go start my life there instead of this big unknown thing, you know? And I think that's was the, was the choice there. But Green Bay was going to offer him that money, and that is a case of a team going all in, much like the Rams and much like we've seen the Bucks do. Uh, the Chiefs thing's a little different because they did offer Tyreek Hill a healthy deal and he went and I more. like I agree. And I just want to say this real quick. I'm just talking about wide receiver. Because yeah, when you yeah, say yeah. about Rams going all in, yeah, that's my kind of going all in. You win at the premium best corner in the league. Yeah, I'll go all in on that. Mm-hmm. You've went all in on adding a premium pass rusher and Von Miller. Yeah, I'd go all in on that. And then you went all in on, on getting your franchise quarterback in Matthew Stafford. Yeah, all those things. Great. Well, I'm going to sign up. Wide receiver? Nope, not doing it. Pass. Yeah. I mean, if I mean, yeah. Cooper Cup's going to come up, and he's going to have to be paid. You know, he's going to want to be paid as one of the highest wide receivers. I, I, even with him, I don't know. Like, I might move on from that. I, I seriously. And then when you're paying your quarterback in elite money, like, your quarterback needs to be elite. And so your receivers are going to have to change. Sorry. That's just how it's got to be. They brought in Allen Robinson, right? Yeah. I thought that was kind of an odd move. Yeah. I mean, I'll say they traded Robert Woods. So they had Van Jefferson, Allen Robinson, and Cup. And then I think at the time, I think, I don't know, I assumed Odell Beckham would try to go back there. I guess Odell yeah. Beckham, who tore his ACL in the Super Bowl. <laughs> well, and that's so. the other thing, though. Like, I, the way wide receivers are, too, like, I feel like you can get Odell Beckham's. Like, I don't think that his this past season was an outlier for Odell. But I think those receivers are out there all the time that are don't like the team they're on. You yeah. Can, you, and you're ready to win. You make a trade for one of them. You add him for that season. And then you move on from him in the offseason, you know? I mean, now I will say if Odell Beckham doesn't tear up his knee, there's a good chance he's back with, with the Rams. And maybe he still is anyway. But I'm just not overpaying at wide receiver. Yeah. I think that's okay. I think I kind. I think I agree with. You. I think collectively you need to have a good wide receiver unit, though. And uh, sure. like there was there was comments. Uh, was this McCarthy comments or was it Jerry? Was Jerry comments? One thing that we've lacked is repetition. We just need Dak throwing to guys. Or did McCarthy say that? Um, and, and it's like we just need one thing. Uh, I'm looking forward to the offseason is Dak getting healthy and having repetition with the guys. So I'm like, dude, Gallup can't do much right now. Um. Uh, we have uh, yeah, that's another one. It was McCarthy, Lamb. yeah, McCarthy said. I, I, and then sometimes James I just don't Washington even know. Supposed to get me excited, like yeah, yeah. And I don't like. Hey, I don't love. I do not love at all that Malik Turner's uh, probably leaving. I kind of wanted him to stay as that wide receiver for Cedric Wilson role. Um, now nothing's official on his end, but he was visiting with a couple of teams. I kind of want him to stay for. What, $1 million? As long as they hit on whatever receiver they draft, you know, there can't be any Ryan Switzers and some Danny Coles. Can't be doing that. But if they hit can't on the receiver. Can't be doing fourth round then. What's that? You can't be doing fourth round then. You yeah, probably d- take not. take a pre- no. premium pick. No, I would think within the first three rounds they draft a wide receiver. Yeah. Yeah. And out of I their agree. nine picks, they might draft more than one. Yeah. You know, like a Cedric Wilson type thing to. in the sixth round. Like, I could see them draft another wide receiver too. So, you know. 
I, I think that, that I, again, line. you can fill that wide receiver. That and offensive line, get it figured out. Yeah. Anything else we need to hit here, guys? We'll be back next week. We'll get into more oh. draft talk, and we will uh, yeah. update on all the crap that goes down this weekend. I'd like to go through uh, yeah stuff this week. I'd like to also look at John's seven-round mock draft yeah. that he did as well uh, next week on next week's podcast. Plus, God knows what else. In Cowboy <laughs> exactly. Land, you just saddle up. That's how it is for a cowboy. You go, you go, and you milk the cows, you feed the chickens, and then you saddle up and you get on a bull for eight seconds. In this case, those eight seconds are seven days in a week. But we'll be back next week. Bad analogy to end the show. It happens. It happens. Uh, I'm KT Fun Tweets. If you want to talk football, hit me. Um, that's Father John Mashota, but he's at John Mashota, M A C H O T A. If you want to talk football, hit him. And that's at Kent Garrison. Kent, do you have any underscores? I think you're just Kent no, Garrison, just, right? Yeah, Kent Garrison. Follow me for uh, no reason, really. If you want to talk movies and music, hit him up. Yeah, there we go. Kent, I'll see you at the electric. Sh- oh, oh, real quick. I only got three minutes on this, guys, but thoughts on the slap? Anyone want to get them? Anyone want to clear your. <laughs> Yeah, let me. I got. I got. You want to clear out the chamber here? What do you got? One, great for the ratings of that show because that show's ratings were just falling off. No, I'm just thinking it has to be. That's got to be the most. Well, I'm okay. 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 But in terms of social media, because nobody wasn't watching was watching it at the time. But yeah, you know, so it was great for the eyeballs that you know. I mean, I feel like I okay, not ratings, but maybe as much as that show has been talked about. Maybe in my life, uh, the, the awkwardness of that he wins like you win the biggest award in your life right after doing something like that is just fascinating to me. Uh, and then the other thing I was going to say is whether you think it's right, wrong, or whatever, it's going to change. It's going to change comedians to a certain extent to the idea of like, eh, maybe I don't, maybe I don't go th- that hardcore after somebody who isn't like real close with me that I know knows I'm joking around. I don't know. I think that might change up the game. If I'm a stand-up comic right now, I'm a little nervous because well, the fact if that he's Chris Will Smith's Rock doing that right on stage if, at a at, on a nationally televised event, they should know he's just joking around. Like it, it yeah, <laughs> that's what I don't and, understand. And it's Will like, Smith is about as buttoned up as they get, and so if Will Smith can reach that level, like <laughs> I don't know, man. You just you probably should be careful when you're when you're roasting people. I think. Well, you, Will you still shouldn't phony, slap so. people either. But don't, let me make sure I say that. But well, probably, probably Will, be careful. Will, Will, Will Smith is, is not a mean spirited person, and that's why it wasn't a punch. But Will Smith also only did that as a as an action to show his wife, mm-hmm. "I got you." Sure. There's a little right? PR going he didn't into do that. that. He didn't do that because he wanted to hurt Chris Rock, and that's why it was an open hand slap and not a punch. And he's he's. It's a good thing it was an open hand slap. But I think my theory is that the Grammy ratings for this Sunday will get a bigger boost than the Oscars ratings did. Because people are like, oh, unpredictability. Yeah. A little anticipation of what could happen. Trevor Noah, I think, will have some good jokes. I do think it's pretty, pretty wild. There's a line of people like Will Smith was asked to leave and he just said no. Like, what is the line? So let's say... Would you leave if you were about to get the biggest award 
in, well, in, I mean, in that profession, I would not leave either. I probably wouldn't leave either. I but probably like, would have apologized to Chris you. Rock when I was up there. Also, real quick, I would much, I would much rather be punched in the face in that situation. Much rather be punched if I'm Chris Rock than. Because to me, it's more disrespectful to get slapped or spit on. Those are the two things to me personally that I think are. I would rather just get socked in the eye and be like, hey, I got socked in the eye. Didn't see it coming. Didn't think that was going to happen. But a sl- slap to me, is just it's even more disrespectful. Sorry. Well, if, if it's Daniel Kalua, are they, are, they, are they escorting him out or are they just going to let him stay? Will Smith is A-list. That matters here. Yeah, if he says There's no, he, they're, they're letting him stay because they don't want to escort him out because it'll cause a scene. So yeah. he's, he's like, oh, I'll just chill and I'll take any repercussions that come after the fact. And they're going to, they might now, the fact that they, he didn't leave when they asked him to, they might see that as a violation of his, of his, uh, you know, code of conduct with who, the Academy who, or whatever as a winner. Cares? He already got, he already got the best yeah. award you can possibly you know what's I mean, how many what, great though, actors we never about, get that award? Yeah, but what we talked about uh, on the Mad About Movies uh, Oscars after show, check it out if you uh, want to subscribe to that podcast. But was like, yeah, he did win, but all anyone's going to remember about the win is yeah. him slapping Chris Rock. So like, sure, yeah, <laughs> it's the most tainted win of all time, and it's almost like a negative win. If uh, it's like, oh yeah, I remember that he punched a guy. So it's like there's you can't separate the two now. Right, I'm just saying if I'm him, I really don't care if that if like I'm banned for the next five years. Oh well. Oh yeah, his Oscar day. Yeah, he got the Oscar. You're right. Yeah, like he's done. I mean, he doesn't. If he never is nominated again or whatever, he that he doesn't care. Here's the other thing: I don't want to be at the next five shows anyway because they always all these award shows always have somebody with a comedic background that yes. you know. So any one of these shows, you're, I mean, known. there's someone's gonna be making jokes about. Right. Oh, everyone, be careful. Will Smith yeah. sitting over there, you know. So there's gonna be plenty of that. Uh, the one thing. My biggest takeaway in the moment uh, when I when I saw it on Twitter, I wasn't watching it live, but when I first saw it was, um, you know, everybody thinks that I shouldn't say everybody. Most people think that they got it, like, a, you know, I, if someone came at me, I would do this or, you know, if someone said this to me, I would. And it's like you never know until you're in the moment. So, no, um, I think that Chris Rock is on the elite of the elite level. I, I told a friend of mine that I think he's the LeBron Total James. American treasure. Oh, best, best stand-up ever, maybe, in my opinion. Well, I was going to call him LeBron James because Dave Chappelle would be my Michael Jordan. But, okay, yeah. so oh, so you might think of that as being just a st- stand-up comic. Like, I just say funny things. No, you're on the elite of the elite smartasses to have the elite yeah. of the elite of the elite comebacks. And for him to be stunned the way that he was... To me, my favorite part might be the 10 seconds that followed where he was just like, he had a comeback. He didn't say it. He didn't see it. Because he probably didn't want to get his ass beat. So he didn't say that. But I'm just saying, like, when he he (laughs) said. Oh, I don't know. Chris Rock, I think Chris Rock can fight, just given his background. I think he 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 had a one liner. I think he he had a one liner queued up in his mind that was like, I could say one thing right now that'll absolutely destroy you. But I'm not going to do it because I'm the bigger man. Like it was about the was, infidelity, the J. Well, you know, come on. He could have thrown obviously, that all at them rumors, in that moment. All that stuff's other super rumors? easy. Yes, obviously, all that stuff's super easy. But I'm saying, even after that, I don't think that he. I think he was so stunned that he didn't even. If he would have said a joke right after that, I don't even think it would have come off smooth. You look at. I'm telling you, 
It gets trimmed right there. Watch the next 10 seconds. This dude can't even present yeah. the award. He's like, we're going to give a documentary to the... Oh, we're, he did have a great we're line. We're going to give an award to the... For yeah. a doc. He well, said, you know, this just, is the greatest night the, in the history the of television. That's what he yeah. said. Yeah. <laughs> that was a great okay, line. cool. And that's where I got cu- cut. Watch the next 10 seconds. That dude yeah. is stunned. And well, again, it's because no, the, right. the producers again, were telling him, us, hey, continue to go on. And he was like, I don't what the care. hell do you mean? Again, if this is any of us, who cares? I'm saying he is the elite of the elite at having comebacks. That's how you get to that level as a stand-up comic. And for him to not have anything to say. In, he, in did. Response, he did, though. He didn't he say stopped it. Himself. He stopped himself. Because he goes... He said, in fact, you hear him say, he said, I could. He goes, I could. And he, oh, goes, and he yeah. goes, no. And you also could have gotten knocked out if he would have went anywhere. No, he would. Will wouldn't have gone back up there. Will's a fraud. Dude, Will's a phony. Will would have hit him in the face if he was even mad in the first place. Will was just doing this I don't because think you his wife him phony owns that, him. Okay, but I don't think you can call him a phony when he walked up there and did that. And slapped the guy? He slapped him. He didn't punch him. If he was really mad, he punches him Honestly, and the him slap out. wasn't... Like it's him so screaming the f bomb was kind of worse than the slap. Like, him screaming that, the f bomb, and that was him scared. That was no. him scared. What have I done? That's all that. Him was. screaming that f bomb the second time just showed that there's a lot more going on behind the scenes than anybody knows. Okay, like, that was, guy might a be. Lot of issues. We, That's yeah, why we say he's like, buttoned up. But that guy might be totally behind the scenes. I'm like, gonna say this right now. You guys are you guys are are completely wrong if you think after he followed up that second time and again dropped that second f bomb. That Chris Rock was about to seriously say something worse than what he just off of a G.I. Jane joke, like he said, he wasn't going to say anything. You're he wrong was, if you don't think he stunning. had something queued up in the chamber. Yeah, I think he's a professional. I think he had comedian. five things he's, ready yeah. and was cycling through them, cycling through them. And I don't think the delivery would have been smooth. Not as I'll smooth as a stand up comic because he was I'll stunned you that that happened. I'll tell yeah. you off the air. You'll get a text. No, I, I, I he, get it. Believe me, you're, you're talking about this is Layup City making fun of Will Smith mm-hmm. and, and Jada. They're, they're, all of their business is like out there in the public. I, this doesn't take a genius to, to come back with, with any type of a thing to, to respond to. I got about five things off the top of my head. I would think they're all inappropriate, and I can promise you if I said any of them, I would never be invited back to the Oscars if I was Chris Rock. I get all that. That's fine. I'm just telling you in that moment, he was so stunned that he was not going to deliver some smooth comeback. The way he goes, dude, it was a ge- All right, I won't. He was scared in that moment. He might not be today. He might not have been 10 minutes later. In that moment, he was scared. Next week on About Them Cowboys. We'll see. We'll see what Chris says about it. And, you know, people speak with their wallets. At yep. the end of the day, we'll see who has the better, better come out of it. That's Father John. That's Kent Garrison. I'm KT. We'll be back next week for a new episode. Guys, check your text messages.